This is episode 133 of Beyond the Bulletin, published on July 22nd, 2022. Hello and welcome to episode 133 of Beyond the Bulletin. From the University of Waterloo, I'm Brandon Sweet, editor of the Daily Bulletin. And from Media Relations, I'm Pamela Smythe. On this podcast, we go beyond the pages and pixels of the Daily Bulletin to inform you about important news and views from our community. Coming up, Kelly Grindrod from the School of Pharmacy is back to discuss second boosters of the COVID vaccine and what's expected this fall. New episodes of the podcast come out every week, and you can find our archive of past shows and helpful links on the Daily Bulletin website. Please recommend us to your colleagues and connections at Waterloo. Thank you for joining us as we go Beyond the Bulletin. How's your week been? That's been pretty good so far. Have you beaten the heat? Yeah. I wish I had a pool, though. Yeah. People listening with pools, be nice. Invite people over who don't have pools. Noblesse oblige. That's right. Think of the poor podcasters who are poolless in this uh, forsaken time. <laughs> you can send your invites to bulletin at uwaterloo.ca. Now, here's what's been happening. President Vivek Goel and Provost James Rush have updated campus on public health trends. The university continues to track the latest data from the Ontario Science Table on COVID-19, which indicates that the province has entered a new seventh wave of infections this summer driven by the latest Omicron variant. The president and provost stressed that any decisions about university operations will continue to be based on data and evidence in consultation with public health authorities and other institutions. If any decisions about the fall term are necessary, they will be made closer to its start. At this point, we expect to have in-person classes and events for the fall term. Last week, the Government of Ontario, acting on advice from the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, made COVID-19 vaccination second booster shots available for anyone over the age of 18. The President and Provost urge everyone to ensure their vaccination status is up to date, as this is one of the most effective defenses we have against the virus. Please register your status with Campus Check-In. Having up-to-date information on your vaccination status will help the university make informed decisions about health and safety on campus. It will also ensure that students, faculty, and staff don't face any disruptions if a vaccine requirement returns. You can book your booster dose on the Provincial Vaccination Portal or by booking with Health Services. We'll put the links in our show notes. After almost three years with no in-person pitch competitions, Velocity welcomed a packed house on July 14th as students, faculty, friends, and family filled the seats for the Concept 5K pitch competition. Ooh, I do love alliteration. The competition is the culmination of the term's activities and is the largest event for Velocity student participants. Nine aspiring student teams presented three-minute pitches to a panel of judges. The ideas presented covered a wide variety of sectors from health to construction to commerce and more. Four winning startup teams that featured high-potential business ideas were each awarded $5,000. The winners are The President Braids, a project aimed to provide quality, reliable, and accessible day-long customized hair care services to people of color across Ontario. Orientamed, which is developing a breath-based glucometer to replace the blood test with a single breath test. Symphonic, which wants to build a wearable interface to help people with speech disabilities to speak. And Taco, a business-to-business solution for the global seafood supply chain. Although if I think of taco, I think of another type of food. And I hope that the taco supply chain is strong in in, in these uncertain economic times. (laughs) 
Well, I heard, I, I saw, I saw a very uh, disconcerting headline about uh, a fried chicken shortage, which or fried chicken sandwich shortage, which is uh, very scary as far as I'm concerned. How is that even possible? Apparently, there are ingredients in common fast food chicken fried chicken sandwiches that are becoming harder and harder to source. It's not just chicken; it's a bunch of other stuff. You can read more about the winning teams and the Spring 5K competition on Concepts Blogs. We'll put the link in our show notes. Now, here's what's coming up. The next virtual Pivot RP workshop for faculty and graduate students is scheduled for Tuesday, July 26th. The Office of Research is the host of this ongoing training series. The facilitator will discuss the key functionality of Pivot RP for researchers. The session includes a live demo covering topics such as claiming your profile, searching for funding, tracking, sharing, and exporting funding opportunities. The virtual workshop will end with a Q&A. I feel like I just walked into the middle of a conversation. What is Pivot RP, in case our listeners also don't know? Well, I'm glad you asked, Pamela. Pivot RP is a searchable database containing more than 28,000 active funding opportunities from sponsors in all disciplines. Researchers can create customized searches based on specific research interests, they can access curated funding opportunities, and arrange direct weekly email alerts of upcoming funding programs and deadlines. Hmm. Please register to take part in this session and to receive a link for the workshop. We'll put a link in our episode show notes. The Shad Waterloo 2022 Open Day Exhibits will be taking place on Thursday, July 28th from 1.30 to 4 o'clock in Conrad Grable University College's Great Hall. SHAD is a month-long STEAM and entrepreneurship training program for students in grades 10 and 11. These exceptional students attend programs at university campuses across Canada. The participants of the SHAD Waterloo program are holding this public open house to share highlights of their experiences, including creative ideas they've come up with to tackle the theme of this year's design project, How Might We Improve the Well-Being of Canadians? The event is hosted by the Department of Knowledge Integration. To learn more about the SHAD program, please visit the SHAD Canada website of www.shad.ca. We'll put the link in our episode show notes. And now the interview. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, provinces and territories are now offering fourth doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. Canada's National Advisory Committee on Immunization recommended the second booster to help combat a potential wave in the fall. Here with more is Kelly Grindrod. She's an associate professor in the School of Pharmacy and a frequent guest on this and other shows where she dispenses helpful insights and information on the COVID vaccine. Welcome back, Kelly. Thank you so much for all you do to uh, inform our audience about what's going on with vaccinations. So this isn't the kind of summer wave that I would like to see, a COVID wave. What do you make of the timing of this announcement about vaccinations, second boosters specifically? Well, it, the problem with the, the summer wave is you know, people were really hopeful that this was a seasonal virus and that we weren't going to see a wave until the fall. And it was really premature to assume that because we're still in the middle of the pandemic. And you know, we may eventually settle out into a more seasonal pattern, but it's still early days and the virus is still mutating fairly quickly, actually. 
So it, it kind of forced their hand a little bit where there was a lot of demand for people, especially frontline healthcare workers, people who are in, working in high-risk environments, who hadn't had a booster since you know, November of last year, really feeling vulnerable. Um, and so this was really something in response to both the length of time that had passed since the, the last booster campaign happened, but also the fact that we're living through a summer wave and, and that this wasn't seasonal in the way that people had been optimistically hoping for. What's in this second booster shot? It's the same vaccine as it's been all along. Uh, so, you know, people in this case, sometimes if they've had Pfizer, they're choosing Moderna. Sometimes if they've had Moderna, they're choosing Pfizer just to get a slightly different brand or a slightly different makeup. But this is the same vaccine since we've been using that we've been using since the beginning. And that's the vaccine that was designed to protect against the worst effects from the original strain? That's right, the ancestral strain. So this is the vaccine that was designed around the ancestral strain. And what we're really looking forward to is having an updated booster for the fall um, to be inspired or, or based on an Omicron variant. Um, but quite possibly, it's going to be the BA4, BA5, the strain that's uh, driving this right now, the summer wave. Uh, so it'll be great to have an updated booster. What's interesting is one of the debates is whether we'll still have people uh, complete their what's called their primary series, their first couple of vaccines, their first two to three vaccines, depending on whether they are healthy or have an immunosuppressing condition. Uh, it may be still recommended that people continue on with the original one first, and then subsequent boosters are added that have these new variants in it. So that's one of the questions we're waiting for in the fall is, you know, as, as the vaccine evolves, how does our advice evolve? Um, but we're, we still have a lot of good benefit from the original vaccine that was based on the ancestral strain. There, it does cover a lot, and, and what we're now trying to do with the updated boosters is really optimize that response. We had one dose, then we had a second dose, then we had a booster. Are you suggesting that that might be what's going to happen with this new Omicron-based vaccine? Well, quite possibly. Uh, and that's the question. There's a lot of questions to answer in the fall. And so, you know, we're talking about second boosters this summer, but really for a lot in the vaccine world, this was a planning time, right? A lot of people are looking forward to the fall on what we're going to do in the fall. Now the question is, what are the best boosters to be giving people? Uh, and as we head into the fall, we're going to see hopefully the first booster that is in response to the virus changing. So these will be the Omicron boosters that we'll see come out in the fall. What do we know about the efficacy of the current available booster versus the current dominant strain of COVID? The vaccines do offer pretty good protection against severe illness, hospitalization and death from Omicron. We've retained the protection there. It, we've lost a lot of the protection against getting infected and having symptoms. That goes down to about 30 to 50%. But you still do reduce your risk of getting infected. And if you do get infected, you reduce your risk of having symptoms. What about the people who have reduced immunity or the people from Indigenous populations or people who are older who already got their second booster like in the wintertime? The people who really needed the booster the most were the people who were at higher risk, so especially older people. You know, and that was the message that came from the National Advisory Committee on Immunization. Especially 80 and older, it was most important to get the second booster into them and maintain that higher level of immunity because when they get sick, they do tend to have much worse outcomes. Um, 70 and older was also important. The Ontario government, for example, said, okay, well, let's play it safe and do 60 and over just to have, you know, because they can have a slightly higher risk. In 
some of the communities too, like Indigenous communities, you know, there are a lot of reasons, and, and, and really it's systemic racism in a lot of ways, and, and oppression, and, and all of these kind of historical injustices that dramatically increase their risk of having outbreaks. And when they have outbreaks because poor ventilation, crowded housing, things like that, it spreads much faster, right? And if there are complications, it's much harder to get healthcare both into the community or get people out of the community to the healthcare they need. So the, the good news for these groups is they were boosted at a time that was really important, and there probably isn't a lot of benefit to them getting a booster over the summer. They really are looking to that fall booster campaign with the updated booster. This summer booster campaign is actually somewhat controversial. You know, it isn't necessarily um, broadly recommended at all levels that younger, healthier people should be getting a summer booster. But the reality is there's a lot of people who had their last booster back in November. That was their first one. They weren't eligible for a second because they weren't older. They weren't a member of a high-risk community. And they might find themselves now in a situation like, for example, working in a restaurant where no one is wearing a mask anymore um, and being at high risk. And um, people who are under the age of 60 who have serious health conditions like diabetes or heart disease that do increase their risk of complications, you know, they hadn't necessarily been eligible for a booster. So this allows them to do that. Frontline healthcare workers were really worried. You know, people working in emerges and ICUs, caring for people with, with COVID, hadn't had a booster since November. So really, this summer booster campaign is a kind of a personal risk assessment booster campaign for people who are really worried about their protection and have reasons to worry. They now have the option if they wanted the summer booster. If there's a new vaccine coming in the fall, we don't know exactly when, what does getting your second booster now do for the timing of getting that vaccine? I mean, you're supposed to wait a certain amount of time, right? Yeah, so ideally you're waiting about three to four months between boosters, between doses, you know, as much as six months between doses, because we, we do seem to have this waning immunity, especially as we continue to use the vaccine from the original strain. Uh, the, the immunity seems to be pretty good for about six months. And actually, the flu shot's like this, too. So this is a reason when you're getting the flu shot, you don't want to get the flu shot as early as possible. There's a reason we don't do flu shots until late October, early November. It's because you're really getting that peak immunity over about four to six months, and you want to time it to make sure that when the flu is circulating, in those winter months, you have the best immunity. So we don't want to give a flu shot in, in August or September because then the immunity wanes and the flu is still circulating. So in a lot of ways, that's really what's happening here. And we know that we're going to have these updated boosters come the fall, right? Come October, November, hopefully timed around a winter wave when that happens. If you're going to get a second booster, get it now. You know, get it this week. Don't delay. Don't wait until August. Don't wait until September. At that point, we're getting closer and closer to this new or updated booster, this Omicron booster. And you're going to want to get that when that comes out, probably October or November. So if you're going to get a second booster, get it now. If you haven't had any boosters yet, you haven't even had your first booster, you've only had your original two doses, or if you're immunocompromised, three doses, you've only had those original ones and no booster, Go out and get your first booster. Now, that's actually probably more important even than the people who are wondering about the second booster. It's actually the 40% of us who haven't had the, the first booster. Those are the ones, most importantly, who should go out and get that first booster right now. What are you hearing about supply and what's going on at pharmacies? Is it the Hunger Games all over again? And the first campaign, uh, a pharmacist just said to me that when this just started, the very first day she got vaccine, she had 700 phone calls of people looking for doses. This time, 
running over two weeks, she only got 12 phone calls. So, you know, a lot of people, they know their pharmacies, they know where to go. There isn't necessarily a huge demand. People at highest risk who would have benefited most from a second booster were already eligible in the spring. So a lot of them have already had their second booster. This is now an optional booster for people based on their own personal risk assessment, whether they feel like they need it or not. So no, we're not seeing Hunger Games right now with the second boosters. We may see a bit of a pinch in the fall when the new booster comes out. What about the people who have had COVID recently? I know of several people who've had it in the past few months. If you've already had your vaccination, you know, your first two, three, however many doses, And then you get an infection. That's actually something called hybrid immunity. So immunity from the vaccine plus immunity from an infection is called hybrid immunity. You could be infected first and then vaccinated or vaccinated and then infected, but that's called hybrid immunity. And and when you've already been vaccinated and you get an infection, hopefully if all goes well, it's a mild infection. You know, you might feel kind of rotten, but if you're not in hospital, you're not having serious complications, hopefully that was the vaccine really helping that. You can consider yourself boosted a bit, right? And and you'll get a couple of months of immunity from an infection. It doesn't last very long. And as the virus keeps changing, so even Omicron BA1 is a lot different from Omicron BA5. And BA1 doesn't necessarily provide good protection against BA5. BA5 is what's circulating right now. About two-thirds of cases are estimated to be BA5 right now. So if you got infected back in January, let's say, um, and you haven't had a booster, maybe you just had your first couple of vaccines and then you got an infection so you didn't bother with a booster, now is a great time to go out and get that first booster. If you had been infected or you got your first couple of vaccines and you got your first booster back November, December, January, and maybe you got an infection in the spring like so many people, you may not need that summer booster because you got a boost from your infection. If it's been more than two to three months though you can absolutely go out and get your second booster now you just want to wait at least you know two to three months between being infected and getting your booster when you say um two to three months after being infected do you mean when we first got sick when you're calculating you would calculate for example if it's three months that you're using you would calculate three months from the day that you first had symptoms or you had your first positive test. So the the thing we have to consider right now is we've dropped almost all the precautions that help keep us from being infected except vaccinations. We're not masking in most places. A lot of people have stopped masking, and there are risks to dropping masking. And the vaccine doesn't protect you entirely from getting infected. So what we are seeing is people getting infected again and again, multiple times. And there are some risks to multiple reinfections. You don't necessarily, or you're not guaranteed to have less serious infections with each subsequent infection. There is some evidence that with multiple repeated infections, you might have some worse outcomes. It actually might be hard on your immune system. There have been some cautions against relying only on a vaccination or hybrid immunity um, response or, or protection, you know, that we don't have these other things in place. So because of that, a lot of people have been infected very recently. And that's actually one of the things that's likely driving down demand for these second boosters is most people don't necessarily need a second booster because they've just had an infection in the last couple of months. It's it's a joke with anybody where, you know, everybody around them has had COVID, someone in their house has had COVID, their friends and family have had COVID. It, it really is everywhere. But that's actually a consequence of us dropping masking indoors, really returning to normal life without those precautions. We will then continue to live with people getting the virus uh, somewhat regularly, actually.
What are some of the other benefits of vaccination? So some of the things that we're really interested in is how well the vaccine protects us from transmitting the virus, so, so being contagious, for example, and against things like long COVID. And there's a lot of attention being paid to long COVID. So one thing that we'll see often pointed to in the literature is that getting vaccinated and maintaining up-to-date vaccines does reduce your risk of getting infected. Maybe not by the 90% at the beginning, but somewhere between 30 to 50% reduction. And if you don't get infected, you can't be contagious. And if you don't get infected, you won't develop long COVID. So you do see the virus spread less in a vaccinated household than a household that's not vaccinated or to members of the family who haven't yet been able to get vaccinated. So there are some other benefits here. One area of research that's ongoing is if you do get vaccinated and you're fully up to date and you do get COVID, does the vaccine reduce your risk of getting long COVID? And there is some early evidence that suggests it might help reduce your risk of long COVID or, or perhaps help you recover a little bit better. That's one of those longer term research questions that we want to answer though, is how well does being vaccinated protect us against developing long COVID? And really the next few years, probably one of the biggest challenges we're going to deal with is the consequences of so many infections where people have long COVID, they have a hard time returning to work. They have a hard time performing at work when they do return. We can see this impact on our healthcare system, and we can see this impact in most workplaces where people get a mild infection, but never quite are able to come back to you know, where they were before. Any parting thoughts for us, Kelly, before we say goodbye? One common question I get is, are we just going to be getting boosters every six months forever? And no one wants that. Everybody's a little vaccination fatigued, a little needle fatigued, right? And so the big question we get is, are we going to keep getting this every six months? And the answer is, we sure hope not. The virus is just changing faster than people expected. It's sneaky and it's smart. And it evolves in ways that can evade some of the immunity we build up from vaccination, but also from past infection. There's some really promising research looking at nasal vaccines that would be a nasal spray. And by getting it right into the, the, the respiratory tract, we might actually get some of that, that what they call sterilizing immunity, where it protects us from getting infected at all. And so there is ongoing research about this. As the, the virus continues to evolve and people do get it and, and multiple repeat infections, we'll start to learn what the future is going to look like. But I had some really great advice about uh, a year or two ago where someone has said, when people ask me when this is going to end, what do I say? And this individual had said, well, is it going to end in a year? Most certainly not. Is it going to end in 10 years? Most certainly. We'll have learned how to live with it by that point. When is this going to end between one and 10 years from now? We have no idea. Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge and your insights with me today, Kelly. It's great to have you back. Thank you so much. Well, that about wraps it up for us this week. To ensure you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to the Beyond the Bulletin podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And please recommend us to your colleagues and Waterloo alumni. You can find us on Twitter at UW Daily Bulletin. Select interviews are on the university's YouTube channel. Just look for the Beyond the Bulletin playlist there. You can reach us by email at bulletin at uwaterloo.ca. As always, thanks for listening as we went Beyond the Bulletin. I should have thought before I did the call out for pool invitations that I don't really want to wear my bathing suit in front of my colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I, I hear that.
do I ever. Maybe one of those like 1920s style that my Nana had that were like long and made of wool. 